What's up, Marvelites, and welcome to a brand new episode of the MCU Exchange Podcast. This is episode 24. Yay! My name is Aaron. Woo! I'm your host for this episode. Alongside me is Charles. What's up? And Joe. Hello. Hey, before we get started, I uh, just want to give a shout out to all our listeners over at Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and our new platform, Apple Podcasts. Hello. And also, please do like us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com com slash exchange You can also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash exchange You can also visit us on our website, of course, at www.mcexchange.com for all the latest news that we are going to talk about right now. Let's get right to it. First up on the news list for our rundown is something Miss Marvel news here. A new release from Murphy's Multiverse mm-hmm. has detailed imminent plans for the upcoming Disney Plus miniseries Miss Marvel to resume the earliest stages of its production. The casting process has resumed to find a series leading actress and filming could possibly commence as early as the end of summer 2020 as the state of Georgia begins to open up and allow film projects to recommence. Definitely exciting news, guys. Charles, uh, for those unaware, like for those that... Um, I know Miss Marvel is a big character in the comics. How how do how do you think her role? What do you think is how big is her role in the upcoming Phase Four of the MCU? It's gonna be hard to say to sort of predict that because we again we don't know what, what Phase Four even is gonna be about. In the first mm-hmm. phase, we know it's gonna be sort of about the multiverse. We don't know how Kamala fits into that because for the most part in the comics, her stories have been very. Personal, it's really more of her growth and sort of finding her place uh, in the in in her own world. It's not about saving the multiverse or something big. So I mean, it's going to be a big push for Kamala Khan. She's going to be sort of the start of this coming upcoming Avengers game, and now this show. So there's definitely going to be a lot of visibility for the character moving forward. Just in general, as as for her specific role and how she's going to be. A key player in the future, then I don't really know. But just hearing this news that that um they've they've, they've returned to casting the character, it means things are getting back for them. Uh, hopefully, you know they, they announced that, that big DC thing. We got a Zack Snyder trailer uh this week. So mm. if Marvel wants to make a big splash with how quiet it is, maybe they could announce who the next Kamala Khan is within the next few weeks. Yeah, that's gonna be exciting news. You know, DC has been really releasing a lot of. Big news lately, and I hope Marvel catch up or <laughs> something like announce something. Mm-hmm. Joe, how about you? How how excited are you for the uh, resume resuming of production of Miss Marvel? Also, as well as the how Miss Marvel will play out in the future of the MCU. Um, I'm very excited. I I don't have much experience with Miss Marvel as a character, uh, but I I kind of like the the concept of it because it is a very unique take on a legacy character. Because until now, like even in the MCU, our only true legacy character is Ant Man, who pretty much stole the suit per se. And this is someone really being inspired by a character to become it. And I think Miss Marvel is a great, you know, even though Peter Parker is technically our teenage superhero, uh, this will give us a different look at that smaller base of characters or that smaller world. Uh, because you know, Spider Man still kind of got roped into very large stories so it with the disney plus series we have the potential of doing something smaller something more personal um which i think is exciting i think also for just in general for representation for for adding a diversity to the cast it, it's a nice touch and i think it was a great choice of character because she is quite popular right now uh and i i hope it introduces us to some really 
some great new actors in the roles that otherwise were overlooked. Very interesting point. And you touch upon the aspect of diversity and the, mm-hmm. the Mar- Marvel Cinematic Universe is, is growing with diversity now because of, you know, Miss Marvel, Shang-Chi. It's very interesting moving forward. And I, I yeah. think it's a good representation of just because like this feels like they're branching outside of the U.S., because a lot of even if they were like superheroes world going around the world, they were still very U.S. based heroes. And I, I like the fact that like with Shang-Chi, we're exploring other parts of the world a bit more closer than just being action sequences like in Age of Ultron, where we went to Korea. We had a, a sequence there. We had a sequence there. But like the focus is a bit more outside of the U.S., which I think is great. Yeah. And they're expanding worldwide in terms of not just the characters, also mm-hmm. the location. Yeah. And uh, b- before we move to the next news, at the top of your head, guys, which character are you excited to interact? Which are Miss Marvel do you want to interact the most moving forward? Joe, how about you first? Uh, any any character from the MCU? So, so who interacts with her? Uh, I think the obvious. I, I kind of want to see her interact with Spider-Man. Uh, I think because they, they do share a lot about this more down-to-earth uh, local hero uh, and also just, you know, Spider-Man doesn't really have anyone his age with powers. Mm-hmm. He, do- he doesn't really have anyone to share that with. He mostly has seniors that he looks up to. So it's kind of great to see these. And I think that's also probably a, a segue into what I think the potential of Young Avengers is, is to just have these teenagers with very different problems from, from adults uh, trying to live their lives, trying to find out who they are, while also, you know, having the challenge of, you know, they're superheroes. What are they as heroes? Uh, something that the Spider-Man films, I think, explored brilliantly. And they will share That's a very interesting dynamic. They will share a very interesting dynamic because they're street-level heroes, right? Even though they have yeah. amazing powers. How about you, Charles? Which character in the MCU do you want Miss Marvel to interact most? Yeah, I'm also with Joe that Spider-Man seems like, at least right now, the most sort of appealing sort of pairing with uh, with, with Kamala because... Yeah, Joe was absolutely right that Peter Parker doesn't necessarily have anyone his age to, to relate to. Everyone is sort of older than him. Everyone sort of acts like a like an older brother or an uncle or an aunt mm-hmm. towards him. So it's going to be super fun to see someone his age finally doing what he does, struggling with the same sort of, you know, identity problems that Peter Parker has struggled mm-hmm. with. And, you know, it's going to be just fun to see, you know, these two kids get along, possibly. I mean, obviously it's going to be Kamala's relationship with uh, with Carol Danvers is going to be super huge, so that's also something worth looking forward to. But yeah, Spider-Man is what I'm, I'm sort of betting on. Very interesting choices, guys. And I'm very sure our listeners are going to look forward to those future interactions with our MCU heroes. Moving on to the next mm-hmm. news here, we have a very interesting character debut that might appear soon in the MCU. Charles Murphy via Murphy's Multiverse has brought attention to a recent casting call put out by frequent Marvel Studios casting director Sarah Howie Finn for an upcoming Disney Plus show. The call is looking for deaf actresses with Native American, First Nations, Indigenous, or Latinx, and also independent, athletic, and bright to play a character in their 20s. 20s. And uh, in that article, Murphy speculates that Mar- Marvel could be looking to bring in the character of Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo. Which is uh, Daredevil character, right? Echo. Mm. Um, so, yeah. given that it's uh, it's going to be in a Disney Plus show, my question would be, Joe, for you, is what what show mm-hmm. should this character debut, and how excited are you for a character like Echo finally appearing in the MCU? Um, 
Good question. What show? Uh, I could see this character showing up in the She-Hulk show. Uh, I, I think it, it'd be a good connection because She-Hulk with the lawyer aspect also has a connection to Daredevil. And I, I don't think they're not going to... I hope they don't underplay uh, her connection that she has with Daredevil technically. So the question is, what what of a role is it going to be? Is it going to be a slow introduction of the character, like roll that out? The interesting thing is it's another young teenager character. So are they trying to ease in characters through, like, the, is this going to be connected to Young Avengers if she'll show up in that as, like, a Daredevil representative? At this rate, I'm going to say they're they're really stockpiling a lot of potential members for the Young Avengers series yeah. that's been rumored for quite some time. And, and that would, I, I think it's an interesting aspect because you can kind of ease people into what would a Daredevil be in the MCU without retreading old ground. Maybe she already has a connection with Daredevil. Maybe there's a mention of him. I personally, I still think it would be fantastic if we get a cameo of whoever's going to become Daredevil in the She-Hulk show as like a an attorney that she goes up against or someone she works with. And I think this is also a great way to kind of ease people into, oh yeah, Daredevil is part of the MCU now. The Netflix shows are something completely separate. Charles, how about you? As a huge Daredevil fan, one of the one of the first comics I got into starring Daredevil was the one that introduced Echo. So mm-hmm. I, I'd like to think that I'm very familiar with the character. She is sometime in the comics after she appeared in Daredevil. She be, she was the first character to don the Ronin uh, outfit. The, there was a big twist in the new Avengers run where really? the Avengers were in True. Japan. Someone someone in the in the in the Ronin costume was sort of escorting them. They didn't know who he was, and of course. Sometime later, Ronin unmasks, and she's a girl, and she's actually Echo. People are saying that, oh shit, because of that Ronin connection, then it must make sense for her to appear in Hawkeye as Ronin. Now that you know Clint mm-hmm. is back to being, um, uh, back to being Hawkeye. The mm-hmm. thing with that though, it's just for the optics alone. Um, I I don't know if you guys were aware of the 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 small controversy surrounding Clint's character in. In Endgame, he was just basically a minority yeah. killer. He he killed killed you know uh, cartel guys. He killed yakuzas, and you know it wasn't that big of an issue. But I definitely saw a lot of people bring that up. And looking back now, a year later, thinking about yeah, what what was Clint up to during this this whole gap? And, and yeah, it is fucking crazy to think, holy shit, he was fucking killing minorities left and right. You know, I'm not sure if the right thing to do with this Native American character, and a minority herself, I'm not sure the right thing to do is maybe dress her up in that Ronin costume, considering what that Ronin costume was was doing in Endgame. But the idea that, you know, Kate Bishop might have someone, may, might have maybe a rival who's sort of her age. She's got, mm-hmm. uh, Maya Lopez has, an, has a handicap. Mm-hmm. She's, she, she, she's deaf and whatnot. That seems very, very interesting to me. I'd like to see sort of you know, maybe Clint has another protege in training. Where, like I said, Maya, Maya oh, Lopez man. has a rivalry with her. It could bring up uh, such very interesting dynamic possibilities with with how the show turns out. Also, Maya Lopez was a main character in um, one of the later Moonlight runs when when my, Brian Michael Bendis was writing the character. Maya Lopez was a main character in that story. So because they're doing Moon Knight now, that could be also for that because, you know, maybe she could be like a crossover character. Maybe she appears in Hawkeye yeah. and then transfers on to yeah. 
Moon Knight, something like that. Mm-hmm. But overall, just the idea of of getting this character. I'm such a huge fan of her. You know, she's a ninja. She's 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 Native American. She's got all these abilities and skills. She's deaf, but she's she's a master at reading lips and whatnot, and and just sort of just sort of you know spotting what the fuck's going on. She's got a good peripheral sort of sense, and you know it's super exciting to see what could you know what could happen mm-hmm. with this character. Very interesting. She might be that connecting thread between the Disney Plus shows, and a very interesting point there is that what makes Hawkeye Disney Plus series uh, a more complex show because you have this two two mentoring a Clint mentoring two characters, and that there's a conflict there. That's an interesting dynamic. Wasn't also in the comic that's the inspiration his apartment in New York City. Yeah. Because yeah. that could be an interesting connection. So if if you know he passes on, she trains under him. She passes on, but she doesn't get the like to become the next Hawkeye, but runs into someone else in New York City. You know, that's cool. Yeah. There's a yeah. Train to be an archer. Then it's like you know what I like this guy more. <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. And there's going to be an, a very it's all connected. Uh, Twitter hashtag will. We'll run again if that's the case. <laughs> finally, <laughs> yeah, finally be true. Yeah, it's going to finally be true. Very interesting points, guys. And now let's move on to the last news on our rundown. Just recently, yesterday, it was reported that in the new release from MCU Cosmic, Marvel Studios has been in contact with director Deborah Chow from The Mandalorian about a number of potential projects in the MCU's near future. There are no reports pointing to any specific projects in these discussions. And uh, as, as you all know, Chow has most recently directed two episodes in the first season of The Mandalorian Disney Plus. Also, she's mm. set to be the showrunner of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series in Disney Plus. Charles, Deborah Chow, you know, you have that, she has that, she already has an experience with Jessica Jones, you know, Iron Fist. Um, how excited yeah, are you? Yeah. So, how excited are you with her potentially joining the MCU? And what project do you want her to direct? Or, you know... Ooh. Well, I am very excited with the, the idea of her joining because what she did with the, with the Mandalorian episode was very sick. I mean, the, the show in general was a very, yeah. very good. But her, mm-hmm. the episodes she did were pretty. Were one of the one of one of the more um, eye catching episodes. So that's super exciting. I am curious how um, Obi Wan is gonna turn out with all the stuff that's been going on with it. It's been delayed. It almost didn't happen. It was supposed to be a movie and whatnot, but now it's a show. So I am curious how that show is going to turn out in general. But you know, she did she did an amazing job with with Mandalorian. She, as far as I remember, the, the her Jessica Jones episodes were pretty good. She was, I think, she was attached since the first season, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, you know, she's part of the, the Marvel family. It's always good to have you know some uh, some familiar faces manning the camera. But yeah, yeah. Su- super exciting. As for what particular project, I'd like to see her do a movie more than anything. Maybe, yeah. you know, shit, I don't know. Maybe she can do fucking Blade. Just so it's interesting, get someone like her to do Blade. She does great action well and whatnot. So, yeah, off the top of my head, I kind of want to see Deborah Chow do Blade. Blade, interesting. Uh, Joe, how about you? What projects do you want her to see take on MCU? I, I think one like the 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 one answer everyone gives is that there's a potential for her being behind Captain Marvel too. Yeah, that's the ring. Which, which, 
Yeah. It, it makes sense with her, you know, she now with the Mandalorian, she has experience with with space oriented stories. And I, I think she's a great action director and has a great I I mean, she's did some fantastic episodes. She she did American Gods. She was involved with Mr. Robot. So she has quite the repertoire behind her. And especially with the Mandalorian, like you said, Charles, she made some great episodes. And I think that I I, I want to see her do films. I, I, I think that's like the next step for her. To really go out there because give her more money and I'm pretty sure we're going to have a a beautifully done and well written uh, movie on our hands. I'm just I'm unsure if it is Captain Marvel too. It just seems like the let's say the obvious answer given with the Mandalorian. You know they said they want to get a female director for this one, so it it makes sense. But at the same time, I think uh, I kind of like her way of directing and and using camera shots to also mislead you. She would be a good choice for a Secret Invasion Disney Plus show, or or if it's a film, for example. So there, there's a lot of potential with her, and and I'm really I'm really glad to see that she's in talks, and I'm very curious because it says various projects. So yep. maybe it's not the only time we see her direct, and I wonder if they're going to start having directors like James Gunn once wanted to direct the Thunderbolts film. So once he's finished with Guardians of the Galaxy, if he does that, which kind of would be hilarious considering he's doing Suicide Squad as well. Oh my God, so yeah. maybe we'll see directors have multiple projects, a Disney Plus show and a film. And I think that's a quite an interesting prospect. Yeah, you know, and uh, I've seen so many tweets about it. You know, you can see many exchanges mm-hmm. between the fans over at Twitter, over at Facebook. And uh, it's the most likely that she will direct according to them is Captain Marvel. But the problem is Captain Marvel 2 comes out at, at 2022, which is the same time that the Kenobi series mm-hmm. is coming out, so there's that there's that scheduling conflict there. So aside from mm-hmm. that, yeah. yeah, aside from that, maybe maybe Blade, like like Charles said, maybe an Eternal mm-hmm. sequel down the line, maybe or uh, like you said, Joe, I love that where you pointed out that Secret Invasion is also in the mix. If if we're taking into account the va- various projects bit about that news and. And there's this past rumors about Captain Marvel 2 is heavily influencing the events of Avengers 5. Maybe those two movies somehow maybe might be directed by by her, or I don't know, or mm. other Disney Plus shows. Because it goes under the umbrella of various projects. Did those yeah. two closely tied together. Well, whatever the case, we're just excited that Deborah Chow has finally come to the MCU. <laughs> and... <laughs> and We'll, we're all for it if, if she will take any project, you know. But there, there are a lot of projects here for the MCU moving forward here in Phase 4 and also Phase 5. So, Deborah Chow, welcome to the Marvel family. I mean, you're, you're already, she's already in the Marvel family. You're just welcoming her to the larger MCU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's about wrap it up for all the news for the rundown. If you want to check that out, you can check at www.mcexchange.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash mcexchange. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Exchange. Now let's move on to my favorite segment of the show, <laughs> where we talk about the latest episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the black and white noir episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Joe, this is a fantastic episode. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely uh, up there in my top five. 
I I have to say I love the fact that not only was it a great tribute to those old style noir films, uh, yeah. but at the same time they literally give an explanation why Coulson is monologuing and why everything <laughs> is black and white. That was such a great touch. Yeah, you know, um, I'm not really familiar with that genre per se, but um, mm-hmm. I was actually hooked from the first frame up to the last one. I was at the edge, at the edge of my seat. Trying to figure out how can they save both Daniel Sosa and history at the same time. So yeah. it's funny it's enough. Very... Sorry, my theory was correct from last time. Yeah, your theory is correct. I, I was about to point that out that your theory of you know Sosa finally joining the Shield team, and I'm uh, and I'm ex- I'm excited to how will that play out in the next couple of episodes. Also, to the MCU timeline. Because technically, mm-hmm. they didn't change anything, you know, on, on the surface. They only changed it from within. And it's going to be very interesting. And I remember, I recall your theory last week that, you know, we might see him in present day, maybe, on 2012's The Avengers. Who knows? We don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's a really cool twist because, I, you know, I, I thought it was like, why get, because I think he's a great actor. And, and I hope yeah, we get same. to see him in, in many more projects. And it was just like, they're not just going to, it felt like as soon as they said, oh, he was found dead, it, there's like, there's a cliche. So the cliche is always is that the, in a noir film that when someone dies or shot, like for a more artistic uh, thing, they're in a pool. Even Archer made fun of that uh, entire storyline. Yeah. And now they pretty much did the exact same scenario, but there's always the, there's the, the trope of the person in the pool, not actually being the person who died and then that kind of like put together. And I love the fact that like Coulson, while narrating, is like, oh, the advantage of being a robot is that you don't feel you can take two bullets in the back. He just I love that floats he pointed in that there out. with his eyes open. Huh? I love that he pointed that out, you know, in yeah. the narration. Not just, it's like a fort walling to the audience. Like, hey, you know, I'm an LMD. I can't die. <laughs> but it's just like, I love the fact that he's not like closed eyes in the pool, but they show the pool with him in it. And he's just like staring down like, can I get out now? <laughs> Shouldn't he be actually hit the floor because he's heavy as a hell? Yes. If he's a robot. How the hell is he floating? That's the only thing I couldn't get out of my head when watching maybe, it. Maybe I think he has an ability to you know, to change his weight or something, to change mm. his density or something. Maybe he has that. The, or I don't know. It's just the vision it's just very theory. Good floating. You know what I just realized? The fact that this season that Coulson is an LMD <laughs> is actually also the return of the original Coulson is Vision theory. Oh, yeah. I just yeah, realized it. Like, yeah. before Avengers <laughs> Age of Ultron, that, you know, maybe Agent Coulson will become Vision at the end of the series, at the end of the season finale. And then, well, it got debunked, but it's now, well, Vision is dead in the current MCU timeline. But we have an LMD Coulson who is alive running through time. So put two yeah. and two together and maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying he's Vision, but he's an android, sort of. Alien android. Kind of a tribute to it. Yeah, kind of a tribute to that running theory. Let's break this down. Let's break this episode down. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Um, there's still 955. There's still 955. Yeah. It's classic black and white. 95% of the episode is black and white up until the last few minutes. <laughs> and um, Clark Gregg is amazing in this episode. When I was watching it, yeah. I was... I was reminded of that episode, my favorite episode, Agents of Shield, back in season one. That train, 
that Stanley cameo. Yeah. It's right up there. Not the, the misdirections, the plot twists, the mm. unexpected tributes, the unexpected callbacks. It's all there. And yeah. I love it. You know, it, it perfectly captured the essence of it being a shield show, a spy espionage show. You know, I, I as much as I love that they've been tapping into the comic origins, let's say, the yeah. Agents of Shield show hasn't really been a agent show in a while. And and it's great because this reminded me how good they are if you give them free reigns on making a mystery. And and they really tapped into that this episode. And, and I, I agree with you. Like those were some of the best episodes when they have these twists and turns that really, you know, showcase these people even though they're very quirky, they're they're at, at a dark space, they're still agents. They're still spies that know how to do their jobs. And it was just great to see them return to that in a tribute to noir films. Even if their backs are against the walls, they know how to get out of it. Because they, they've yeah. been there. They've, they've been there all the time. And the interesting thing here, Joe, is that it's the final season. So mm-hmm. I know this was shot a year back. But the, the writers, the directors, the cast are now taking risks every episode. You know, the fun bit about a time travel show like that, like Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., because mm. I'm also a fan of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, where they ta- time travel, they have a different theme every, oh, every, yeah. every week. And the fun bit about it being a time travel episode, a time travel series, time travel filled season, is that for every episode, you get to do a bunch of crazy stuff. A bunch of crazy yeah. stuff in a way that there's a different theme, there's a different callback. There's, there are different Easter eggs that you can make fun of. You can you can reference to, and that's the fun thing about this season because every week you are surprised, you are mm. caught off guard by all by all of this, and their way of storytelling has blown up. Like it's perfectly good, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of sad like. Uh, after last season, I kind of thought to myself, you know what? I, I think that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's good that it's ending. Uh, as much as I, I love the show, I had a hard time getting through the last few episodes in last season. Not that it wasn't interesting. It was just, you know, the, the main draw wasn't quite there. I think the last season really felt like a setup for this season. That was the whole point, like going yeah. through the motions so we can get into this season. And you see that like this season, they knew it was their final season. They're going all out. And at the same time, now that we have the season, I'm like, I, I want to show that's just this. I want to show that's them going through time, through history. Like, this season's about the history of S.H.I.E.L.D. Next season's the history of the Starks or something like that because you can do a lot with that concept because yeah. they're really reinventing the wheel every episode using tropes of the era, talking about very modern topics. Uh, even though this was filmed a year ago, it just shows how these topics are extremely relevant to this day. And it, it's just, it's a blast to watch. And, you know, for me, the one thing that the show also reignites is I don't want Clark Gregg to ever leave the MCU. I, he wants to probably do other projects, but Agent Coulson is just such a fun character. I'm, I'm sad to think that this may be the last time we see him again. Yeah, he's been a major staple, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. May it be in movies or TV. And, then, and, then, and when, he sh- when he showed up in Captain Marvel last year, I was excited mm-hmm. to see him on... Uh, I was excited to see him on a big screen, like seeing him there at last after seven years. <laughs> you know, so it's, a, it's a great feeling. So, okay, so the basic premise of the episode is um, about saving Daniel Sousa, right? 
and uh, yeah. stopping him from delivering a very important package to Howard Stark, which is a great reference, Howard Stark. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there. So the dilemma is you know, um, trying to save him, trying to save history. Uh, but the thing is that that package is trying to deliver. We didn't really, they didn't really focus on that. They just focus on the yeah. outside. Like, I don't know what that is. It looks like a, an important device, right? Like, I got a glimpse of it. It looked like a metal stick. <laughs> yeah, like a metal stick. But it's it kind of rings rings a bell to me when I saw it. I, I think I've seen some of that in the earlier seasons. I just couldn't put my ring into it. I just I couldn't figure it out. But I, I hope it will be addressed, you know, maybe sometime in the future. You know, after this episode, because, you know, the one thing that bothered me about this time travel is the question of how they're going to pull it all together. That was like the yeah. biggest mystery to me. Uh-huh. And the fact that after our first time jump, they mm-hmm. instantly brought back Malik. That was a great touch. Because not only do we see Malik, who was kind of like the older version, I think it, I think we've seen this actor as Malik in in a flashback in an older season as well, which is a great reference. But at the same time, it showcases that okay, this season is not just mini adventures. Yeah. Everything they do ripples, not waves. And now we see the first wave, like him seeing someone from the past, and he instantly knew that guy was a time traveler. Let him go. At the same time, though, I, I kind of am fascinated that uh, the um, the alien race, the Chronicoms, didn't just do what they did at the post uh, post credit sequence here from the beginning, <laughs> because it seems like yeah. the easier way to do it. Next point is we finally know what happened to me, Agent May. So it turns out yeah. that she feels the emotion of anyone that he that she touches. That's weird. She's an empath, yeah. She yeah. she pretty much is a Mantis character now. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of look alike. So, <laughs> oh. so um, what, what do you think is the larger implications of this? Like, is that going to be just the power? Or is it going to be further utilized in some way in, the, in future episodes? So I think the moment where she touches... Uh, Coulson is probably the setup for something. Yeah. And I feel like she's throughout the season, she's going to constantly touch Coulson to feel emotions that he's there because right now she is kind of avoiding him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my theory is that probably as Coulson, you know, the longer he is as an LMD, the more he becomes his own conscious or becomes Coulson as a character. Yeah. If they're going to play on that trope. Uh, probably in the 90s, because that's the perfect time to play around with uh, robots. <laughs> uh, I could see like that being the moment where she realizes this is him. He may be different. He may not be exactly the same, but this is Coulson and feel the emotions. I'm, I'm not sure like what they're going to do. Like It's a strange... On one side, it's a, it's a cool idea because, you know, May is always like the sturdy, no emotion kind of type character. And now she's a complete empath, which is strange for her. And I love the whole, strange. I don't feel emotions. You showing emotions is strange. <laughs> but I, I kind of want to see, like, imagine if she can, like, transfer those emotions and she punches the hell out of a guy. And just, like, he's just getting all angry and depressed because she keeps passing on that em- empathy with him <laughs> while beating the shit out of him. Yeah, she's transferring the emotions to the chron- chronic arms. <clears throat> Maybe, right? Actually, yeah, that's an interesting theory. 
that they that maybe that's the way they get them to change what they're doing because right now they're going by logic or their own logic so if they have to feel emotions i i see the the, the seer or that future teller that we saw from the chronicoms i think her and may are gonna probably share a moment in this season after seven seasons may is still the big gun the cavalry yeah. <laughs> the cavalry great reference too yeah and the biggest moment of this week we're going to talk about it now uh daniel Sousa finally joining the team the shield team and uh <laughs> it could have larger implications moving forward because you know uh him knowing about the future of shield being part of future adventures the chronicoms being aware of what's happening it's mm. going to be uh all the weapons are now laid out like uh, it's going to be a, a massive time war now what do you think about that so was susa pretty much dying in his time but living on with the team is first of all i i love the idea uh, I think it's so great that we find... After how long is this the first addition to the team outside of Deke? And uh, so we have someone from the future and... Yeah, so we have someone from the future and someone from the past, which is just hilarious. Interesting. Uh, and I think what is what is a good thing is... So I think they don't know Sousa is with the team. I think he's like the one factor they would not expect. Yeah. Because they, you know, they go by history, uh, so they probably believe, okay, Daniel Sousa's dead. The Hydra did what they were supposed to do, but they didn't get the object. Mm -hmm. And with that, I believe that he might be the key among alongside May to kind of change fate, let's say. And I do believe that he will meet Agent Carter in the future. They will have a moment. I think so too. Even though Haley yeah. Atwell recently denied her appearance <laughs> to the season seven, I think that Haley well, Atwell will appear as Peggy Carter, maybe in the season finale. You know, even if they reuse footage, uh, him, I kind of think it would be cute if they re reproduce the Endgame scene with uh, with Captain America, where he's just yeah. staring at her like, oh. <laughs> uh, one thing I do I do have to say I really didn't I, I expected them to at least talk about the opening cliffhanger from the original Agent Carter, but they're completely ignoring that. Yeah, they're just uh, so my theory throwaway lines. Sorry. Yeah. So you know my theory is, is that pretty much with Sousa knowing that Hydra's around, that they're trying to make that uh, connection. That you know I think Thompson was his name. That he was killed through Hydra, and that was pretty much the setup they're going with and they don't have to go back to that so next week it's going to be an exciting 70s themed episode you saw that preview uh -huh. joe when that enough yeah says, i loved it uh come inside it, you want, if you want. Need to exist <laughs> <laughs> I, I i hope they go for full-on pulpy 70s i i yeah. really hope they do the music already is a good tease and I kind of want to see all these characters, especially Sousa, who grew up in an era where everyone wore like the most like suits all the time that they wear whatever it becomes. I cannot oh. wait for his comments on what the future's like. And also, let's say Colson. I hope Colson gets an afro just because the idea sounds hilarious right now. <laughs> yeah, and you know the interesting thing that that you pointed out is Sousa adjusting to different timelines. That's going to be. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I think uh, a side note for every episode, right? Like, so this is yeah. the seventies, so this is the eighties, this is the nineties, this is this is the two thousands. Oh, this is weird. Like, Sigusa adjusting to every time that they were in. I mean, the good thing is, unlike you know Captain America, he does not he he's not thrust into as far as possible. So there's at least some connection. But the poor guy cannot adjust to any timeline because he's constantly going by about twenty years while also sitting in an uh, airplane that looks like it's from thirteen thousands. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just want to point out the very interesting uh, jumping off periods of timelines that they are trying to portray here. So first one, first two episodes, 1930s, and then 1950s, and then 1970s. So 20 years is the gap. So mm-hmm. possibly that after the 70s, they will go forward to the 1990s. And as we all know, in the 1990s, it's a big year because Captain Marvel arrived on Earth in the 1990s timeline. S.H.I.E.L.D. is booming, and there are tech... Mm-hmm. There are more tech that has been been being developed. And it's gonna be exciting, you know. And Hank Hank Pym is there, Carter is there, True, Stark is there. So we might see will, might see them. Yeah, will Coulson meet his younger self? Yeah, and will or will the team meet some of their younger self, like kid version, maybe? I will know. Goose finally show up? Oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe they have. They found a way. The cheapest cameo you can make: put a cat in a room. <laughs> yeah, put any cat in a room. <laughs> right there. Unknowingly, that cat is an alien. So I, I, I still would love to see. I think that'd be a fun idea, especially with '90s. You know, with the alien connection, that they're kind of trapped in a house that belongs to Fury because they're trying to get something and they're trying to run away from the from the monster cat that's trying to devour them. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be a fun episode. With the '90s, you know, they could also map. They can also delve on that Cree connection, you know. True. Yeah. Yeah, they can finally explore that after seven seasons. So, very, <laughs> very exciting points. Very exciting episodes. We have this episode four. We have nine episodes left, and it's going to be a race to the end, literally for the save <laughs> for the for saving humanity and. The timeline. <laughs> so, folks, if you have more points about, if you want to have more points, if you have want us to talk about more about the Shield episode, some news that you want us to talk about, please do tweet us at twitter.com/mcuexchange. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com/mcuexchange, for all of our reviews, for all of the news, for our podcast. You can go straight to our website at www.mcuexchange.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Aaron Chino. That's A-E-R-O-N-C-H-I-N-O. You can also follow Joe on Twitter. Hello. I'm going to be at that bell, T-H-A-T-A-B-E-R-L. And I can't and, spell. Yeah. <laughs> you can also follow our buddy Charles from Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at CFS. Awesome. And that has been uh, the episode 24 of the MC Exchange Podcast. Till the next episode, guys. Bye. Keep Till next time.